Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, podcast where a comedian talks to a relationship therapist about how men and women relate to each other in the modern world. I hope you're doing well. Uh, if you are in lockdown in Australia, especially, I hope you you guys are doing well. I hope you're enjoying the footy finals. Watching a bit of AFL last night, don't usually do that. That was great. Western Bulldogs. Yay. The guy with the mullet. He's, he, that is it. That's a beautiful man. Uh, you have you seen about? this guy? No, I don't. Do you know ever watch sport. the AFL? No. <laughs> oh, there's just this really uh, handsome, good-looking. Um, pro- he's not even a prodigy. He's just one of the uh, top players of the Western Bulldogs, and I think his name's what's his name, Bailey Smith or something like that. I think um, <laughs> very good-looking man. I'll oh. say that much. Good. And um, Cameron Murray, he's the he's the guy in the NRL. That that's a that's a, they are both just they are Adonises. Like I can't even. I'll show you pictures of them. Yeah, show me pictures. <laughs> I got I got sauce. Send you their nudes. <laughs> no, those nudes would go for a lot of money. Um, I think that's his name, by the way. I could have gotten that wrong, but like the the guy from the Western Bulldogs with the mullet. Um, weird opening, but uh, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I am enjoying this weather. So um, I'm a happy girl. How are you? Uh, yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? Spring uh, has arrived. It's perfect weather. It's not too hot. So I'm <laughs> it enjoying it It is a bit too hot there, I reckon. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's the Goldilocks kind of weather right now. I think we've yeah. uh, got some Can't really nice complain. weather. Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll get, if, it, if it's this hot in September, it's going to get hot by yeah. summer. It's going to be one of those scorches, I think. So For sure. Oh, do the backburning, you know. Yep, do the backburning. <laughs> that's my, Neil poli- said that's it. my environmental policy. <laughs> <laughs> do it. I won't. I should. I should help out, but I don't know you what should. to do. But um, that's Just my put it uh, on the podcast. That's virtue signaling. <laughs> do the backburning, guys. <laughs> um, we, uh, we certainly had a very... Uh, uh interesting and uh well I wouldn't say polarizing a very provocative topic in the last um episode so once mm-hmm. again thank you to the person who sent in the question we're going to answer another question this week um there's a few interesting statistics that I'd like to uh express in this one though this will just be at the beginning of the podcast I think but before I get to that there's a study I um I think a lot of people are familiar with and I think it's very relevant to this topic in particular. Um, and that study is when people have a very uh, strongly held belief, uh, even if they're faced with uh, conflicting evidence, it actually reinforces their belief further. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this on both sides, which it's not really a debate, uh, but on both sides of the issue, and I'm not just talking about sexual assault here. I'm just talking about generally a lot of what we cover on this topic, which is um, the experiences of women and the experiences of men in the modern age. And, you know, how do the statistics relate to that? And are the statistics, you know, not are they wrong? I don't think anyone ever lies about these sorts of statistics, but are they, you know, presented in a way that uh, shows a certain narrative? And, you know, those sorts of questions, I think, are... um, relevant uh but that study i think look i'm i'm guilty of this uh i Mm. know you know when it when it comes to issues like this i 
can definitely feel myself getting really defensive about certain things. And uh, I know, uh, I think everyone is, um, mm. uh, that, that phenomena is exemplified in, in almost everyone when they discuss this, these yeah. sorts of things. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's really interesting. And Eliza, do you, do you think there's a way to separate the, you know, the, the, the experience or the, the lived experience of a particular person from uh, the, the framework through which we discuss things. So what I found is, and it's not just on this topic, let's, let's speak generally here, but what I've found is that let's bring it to something like just racism. Okay, so if I'm talking to people, because I'm actually, you know, I sometimes have... I wouldn't call them right wing, but um, I don't hold mm. the sort of orthodox views that you'd often expect of a person of color, say. Mm. And when I'm talking to some people um, about some of those views, they tend to just say, well, I've experienced this, this racism, therefore, you know, you, you, you can't be right. And, and it's hard to, you know, have a at length discussion there because, everything I say that doesn't align with their worldview comes across as a personal attack on what they've experienced. And that's absolutely never my intention. And it's, it's the same with um, issues of uh, gendered violence and, and sexual assault. Mm. Uh, but do, do, do you see what I'm, where I'm getting at there? Like yeah. where, you know, yeah. if, if I can only imagine what it's like for some people to have endured um, some of the things we were talking about on the on the last um, podcast, and I and you know I I have the utmost respect for people who have gone through that and and come out better um, because of that. Uh, I never have issues with you know how uh, morally reprehensible those sorts of acts are if they're committed to someone. I suppose I just have some dissent when it comes to i guess the the ideological framework through which we we view it and you know do we see the world as say you know a, a patriarchy and and those sorts of things are where i think myself and, and a lot of men have disagreement and and often um it can divulge into some very you know serious heated conversations and i do want to avoid that i just want to kind of say that sort of statement um at the top um i do have some interesting statistics that i found the other day now uh this is from the cdc and so that's like the primary um american health kind of association if i remember correctly so uh in 2015 a national survey by the cdc found Nearly 4 million men and 5.6 million women had been victims of sexual violence in just the last year alone. Uh, 2 million of those men subjected to unwanted sexual contact and over 800,000 said they were made to penetrate. Uh, So that's a pretty alarming statistic there where it's still definitely happening to women and a lot more, like by by over a million more. Um, but hearing something like that, that's really, it's just sad for everyone involved in something like that. Um, what, how does something like that make you feel like that? I don't know how many people they, you know, I don't, it, was it 4 million out of 
how many you know there's, there hasn't there's not a lot of context uh in the, this is just it's from that page i was talking about in the last yeah. um and i have no reason to doubt the the veracity of this person's sources but by all means um look into it uh but just hearing something like that is very well it's confronting but it does beg the question now this is an uncomfortable question for a lot of people I would be interested to know how they define, uh, you know, how they ask those questions and what they define it as. And yeah. again, that's not an attack on anyone. Like I'm not trying to say, you know, people's pain is not um, relevant or, or uh, important. But, um, you know, when you, when you ask people, how, do you ever feel like you've been coerced into sex, right? Now that's a very open-ended question. And... Uh, there are ramifications to asking questions that are as open-ended and subjective as that, I, I feel. Um, but anyway, I've spoken a lot here. <laughs> so I've said a few things there. What are your yeah. general thoughts on, I guess, what I've said so far? There's a few more things I do want to touch on yeah, eventually. Yeah, but sure. like, what, what do you think? Well, I think, I guess, in regards to the stats that you said, I think that they're accurate. And the Australian um, Bureau of Stats showed that in 2019, there was 1.6% of women in the last 12 months had experienced sexual abuse and 0.4, I think it was, um, of percent of men had experienced that. And that in, in general, like outside of the last 12 months, over the age of 15, it was saying that one in five women have experienced it or girls. And for, um, for men, it was one in 25. But we have to acknowledge that men and boys are way underrepresented, underdocumented, way less likely to come forward and, and share their experiences of sexual abuse and sexual assault. And there's a lot of, um, you know, factors for that. But I think what's really important is that regardless of, you know, the, the difference and if women have experiences, which they have more than men by what we can see in our research and data, because that's what we have been able to document, it still doesn't take away from the fact that it's still a very confronting number that men have experienced this too. And boys have experienced this. And mm. the really sad things that have come out of this is that majority of, um, men that have experienced sexual abuse, it came when they were the ages of 10 and under. Um, so it's, it is really disturbing. And I think that a, a lot of, um, you know, girls and women can get like, when you were talking before about how can you take away your own lived experience to think completely neutral and non-biased, it's really hard for this mm. topic, even it, for it, me. It, it, um, even for me. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's hard. So it's, it is hard not to get defensive over it. And when people question it, I do, I get insulted. I, I just can't help it. I do. I find it insulting. But that being said, hearing about men's experience and talking about male sexual assault is not invalidating to women's experience. They are the separate yet the same problem and both are valid. It doesn't really like, you don't need to impact like, cool, yeah, you went through that, but do you know women have it way worse? And I don't think that happens as frequently as we think, but I think it's just the way in which we have to stop comparing as soon as people bring up male sexual abuse. I don't think we can just jump straight to, well, yeah, but women have it a lot worse. Mm, mm. Um, so, Couldn't you know, the, 
there is so much coming out, especially just in the last 15 years really is the only time that we've started to see, see statistics um, about, about male sexual abuse. And I think that's because one, it's been talked about more too, because you can be more anonymous than previously when things were, you know, sent out by male. Um, so those are some reasons for it, but it is, you know, extremely common, like one in 25, when you think about how many boys that, or men that you cross paths with, one in 25, those have experienced sexual um, abuse. And that I read some um, interesting things that compared to um, women, compared to girls, boys are more likely to one, be abused outside of the home, whereas girls are more likely to be abused by um, someone within their home. Um, and men are more likely to be abused by males as well as females, not equally, but also, whereas girls are rarely abused by other women. Um, and that's a, that's an important one. Yeah. yeah. And finally, um, boys and men are more likely to be significantly more likely to be abused with witnesses around. So whether that be for like, um, mm. a child pornography thing, whether that be for like a, um, yeah, sex ring taking kids or whether it be at a, at a frat party or something like that where a, um, a boy is getting sexually assaulted or something of the sorts and all their friends are around. And actually a good example of this is, I don't know if you've seen like on TikTok, there's this famous or there was this famous couple. The girl's name is Sienna May and the, the guy's name is Jack something they were like this TikTok couple no. they're really young she got super viral because she's this beautiful girl and she was all about body positivity and they're 17 and um I think they were around that age um and they were like everyone was obsessed with them as a couple and they pretended to be best friends and then it was always like are they together are they not they have millions of views um and then basically people started to speculate they were no longer together or were they ever together all this stuff happened and he was um kind of went off the radar for a bit and what ended up happening was a video started circulating around the internet of him um and her at a party he was completely passed out um like really drunk off his face and she's going up to him kissing him and at what it looks like to be touching his crotch um and mm. so there's a lot of then the internet was completely torn about it and there was hundreds of thousands of people viewing this and weighing in one half you know she she posted 12 videos about it ranting saying i'm taking legal action like he was basically my boyfriend i didn't touch his crotch it just looks like that and i kissed him like we kiss each other all the time like blah 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 and then his friends are saying they were never together it was all for show they'd they'd barely they'd kissed like twice in their whole life and she chooses this as an opportunity you know to kiss him but it i think that his experience was really really invalidated whereas if it was a girl passed out on a couch and a video went around the internet of you know a, a guy going up and touching her boobs and kissing her everyone would have been outraged it wouldn't have been 50 50 torn it would be mm. everyone would be completely outraged at it um so i think that's a really good example of how common it can be um when it's a when it's a um abuse from the opposite gender or abuse from um women and girls that it can get so overlooked it can get really invalidated by their peers um 
especially when it happens in a party setting and they're like, dude, just push her off. It's that easy. Push her off. Or if if um, a, a guy is sexually abused and he gets an erection, um, that is something that I know that a, a lot of men really, really, truly struggle with, especially men that have um, female partners, um, girlfriends. You can't. Yeah, it's involuntary. It's just, Once yeah. it's stim- your body, it's biology. Your body does it. It, do- it does not correlate to arousal. So I think mm. that's a really big confusion, especially actually if it's the same sex abuse where you know, you're getting abused by a male and and you find yourself, you know, with an erection and the confusion that comes after that. Um, Also, it's really worth noting about the impacts of, you know, sexual assault on both genders are really horrific, but very different um, in each, within each gender. And for for men, um, I'll read what I wrote down that there are significant reported psychological, um, psychiatric, behavioral disturbances of male victims of sexual assault. For example, intense sexual behaviors, compulsive masturbation, urination um, issues, hyperactivity, aggression, fantasy and withdrawal, prostitution, anxiety disorders, severe phobias, clinical depression, personality disorders, distrusting males, disrupted self identity development, severe suicidal thoughts and self harm, drug abuse, learning problems problems, sleep disorders, school problems, and delinquency. So really, really severe impacts. Mm. And when we think about how little men actually report what has happened, we would look at this guy and he's out, you know, out of control and we're shaming him rather than supporting him because we don't know. Mm. There's, um, yeah, thank, first of all, thank you. That was uh, a great uh, description of, a lot of what, you know, men go through and they haven't always had a voice with that sort of Mm. stuff. Um, What do you think about the sort of broad way we can define something like sexual harassment and sexual assault? So if the definition of sexual harassment is, say, have you ever, you know, I don't know what the specific questions are um, with this, but if, if, you know, sexual assault is something like, have you ever had unwanted sexual contact or unwanted... Um, some sort of sexual situation. I mean, I, I think I've said this in a previous podcast, right? My first kiss was like I was just walking at a party and I was drunk. I didn't want mm. to make out with this girl and she just kind of came out of nowhere, grabbed me mm. and started kissing me. Right Now, I don't, like, it hasn't, at least not that I'm aware of, I, it, it didn't really affect me. Like, I was embarrassed. Mm. Um, but if someone were to ask me the question, have you ever had unwanted sexual contact? Well, yeah, that was unwanted. Yeah, And, you know, like I've also said at the end of shows, there's girls that have, you know, touched my dick and all things like that. Now, like some of that is maybe wanted, but, mm-hmm. and not to be facetious here at all. Like I'm not trying to invalidate, you know, people's experiences and things like that. But when, you know, when you, when you broaden it to such a degree, and I, I know it's not the same, but I bring it back to something like racism, which to me, the definition of racism has been broadened to such a degree that it just doesn't have the same impact or significance to me anymore, you know? And and this is something I guess I'm more comfortable Mm. talking about because it's, I guess, being someone who isn't white, I have, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm offered a bit more cultural leniency in talking about this. But, you know, when I hear stories about uh, some women who think that, you know, if they've got 
a more Afro style of hair and people say that's a ni- oh, nice hair, that's now a racist microaggression. I think, well, what, yeah. what's the point of even using that word racist? I mean, yeah. you've, you've, you've completely sullied that the, 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 the real, you know, reprehensible impact that comes about from racism when you, you know, broaden mm. it to such a degree that it includes things that I would see as trivial. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think uh, we could be doing the same thing with something like, let's not even talk about sexual abuse, sexual harassment, because, mm-hmm. you know, one of the st- statistics was 95% of women have experienced sexual harassment. Um, it's not that I would doubt that or anything or, like, diminish the experiences of, of women, but I would want to know how they ask the question and and what they define it as because I'm, I'm worried that like what I just said with racism, um, it's becoming the society that cried racism where, mm-hmm. you know, it's getting to a point where, oh, yeah, everything's racist now and people roll their eyes. And what, that, what happens is the, the you know, the, the impacts of very severe racism are then um, either unreported or not taken seriously. Now, that mm-hmm. everyone's going to have personal differences about what they consider severe and what they consider not so severe. Now, the other annoying thing is this part of it is is, is sort of um, included in this ideological and philosophical framework that says, well, you know, power and uh, group power and collective power is really the fundamental component here and it's not about the individual. Now, that's an entire worldview that I don't necessarily agree with, but the 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 terms that they use can be very interchangeable and and it's 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 my point is i guess it's that it's just so much more complex i think mm. than we than we give it credit for and um i guess i waffled on a bit there but coming back to that <laughs> main question which is have we broadened the definition of some of these to such a degree where it could actually lose impact yeah, it's really hard. It's it's a tricky one because the racism one, first of all, I I um agree with you. Like I feel like you and I sometimes are on different even though you're the person that has ex- experienced it a lot more than I would have. I'm still on that side where I, a bit more on the left side than you are, for example. But yeah. that being said, I totally agree with you when there's certain things that I learn on TikTok, for example, where I'm like, fuck, I did not know that that was like racist, like saying wearing eyeliner, they're like, you need to give credit to blah, blah, blah. So for example, I saw the other day, this girl, as we know, you know, we, a few months ago, the seventies fashion was in trend and now it's the two thousands or Y2K year two thousands. And everyone's dressing up in two thousands trends. Um, especially our youth. And basically I saw this video go viral saying you should not be wearing this clothing without crediting um like japanese girls um and people were like no this is just what everyone wore in the year 2000 um but then they were the internet was divided and then all the comments were like this is the problem this is you know racism that you can't even see it and Mm. then other people were like no this is just what i wore 20 years ago like i'm confused um so it it was really this broad thing the thing is though with sexual assault and sexual harassment working a lot in you know in in the in court um for these things we really need 
that it to be that broad because there's so many loopholes. If not, I saw this video um, the other day on Reddit of this woman who was, I don't know where the, the Mona Lisa currently is, but it's in some gallery in um, Europe. And she, in front of hundreds of people, started, got completely naked, like completely naked, and was doing the most vulgar dance, spreading her legs right in front of the Mona Lisa inside the museum. Like she looked like she was off her face, like it was sloppy. Mm. Um, and then everyone was like, girl, this girl is going to jail for life. Like that's crazy. And the court of law couldn't um, persecute her because her pubic hair covered her genitals to the point where it could not be technically oh, considered a, as indecent exposed. <laughs> yeah, so she got off, not a single charge, and oh, she good. was like legs spread. Yeah, so <laughs> if you're gonna do that, girls, Jesus grow a Christ. bush <laughs> and hope what you have an innie. Technicality. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and and also because her dancing was so like disturbing and not sexy that it couldn't be considered as a, a sexual misconduct it was just like because of the, she looked, really? couldn't dance yeah that's it was bizarre. funny um so i mean that's a really classic reason of people that you know to them they were like it works to have really specific a b c d but clearly it doesn't when you kind of step in well, outside that area do you think that situation is see i wouldn't call that See, I don't know what the definition of sexual harassment is anymore because I, if someone mm. did that, I'd just be like, well, that's a crazy person, but I wouldn't call that sexual harassment. Uh, yeah, yeah. What do you think? I think, you know, if I saw a guy walking down the street naked, which I have many a time, haven't, I wouldn't consider it um, sexual harassment. I remember once I was sitting at um, this place in Manly where you sit like and on the edge and you look out onto the street and this guy with his friends came and asked me um and my girlfriend he's like can you take a photo of us and I was like yeah sure so he gives me his phone and then he just gets fully naked and makes like a mangina and I was like okay what the fuck and then um my friends were like that's kind of like sexual harassment like he just subjected his naked body to you without like your consent like showed you his dick and I was like I don't care I thought it was hilarious uh but then you know there's mm. been other times where I've seen a guy get naked on the street as I was walking down a, a stranger, a man, and start touching himself aggressively, which I know has happened. You would not believe I can count five women I know that have witnessed this themselves as well or experienced this of random mm. men start and jacking off looking at them. said that it's happened to her on the train. Yeah, yeah, trains, always the, the trains. Um, it's crazy, crazy common. So that I would consider to be like sexual harassment. Um, so, so, yeah. Okay, so go going back to that first example where you said um, there was the photo of the mandrino and yeah. um, you, some of your friends thought it was sexual harassment and you thought it wasn't. Yeah. Because there's that subjective element to it. Now, that's a very, you know, that's a case where I think a lot of people would have subjective idea, whereas like the... the mm. Now, I don't know. I can't talk on behalf of everyone in the population, but I feel like... Well, at least people in their twenties, if it was a, if a random person was like jacking off, you know, in public and looking at yeah. you, most people would say that's that's harassment, and it's you know, it's to some degree criminal. Um, yeah. You know, they should be punished for it to some to mm -hmm. some degree. 
Um, do you think that we need to update the, well, the nomenclature, right? Because we've got this one word, well, two words, sexual harassment, right? That describes such a broad range of behaviours when wouldn't it serve us better as a society if we could really define, you know, the, because some of these behaviours, just the, the moral implications of these behaviours are so nuanced and different that would it serve us better if we could find different terms and then still use sexual harassment, I suppose, as a broad umbrella term, but different terminology to describe different types of acts with, with mm. different levels of... Um, moral implications yeah it's so it there's uh, honestly i don't see a way around it and i think that okay it's i don't think you can do that i think that it needs to remain broad broad ish or otherwise that too many are going to fly under the radar and and get away but i think that it okay. really depends on the person's um experience of it um i I've got actually two good examples. So I always reference the most recent <laughs> reality TV trash I'm watching. At the moment, we're watching Below Deck. And there's one scene where a girl's passing out. She's got a head like this. And her guy friend comes up and he goes like this, like gives her a little smack on the face. Hmm. And she freaks out, like absolute freaks out. She's like, you do not lay your hand on a woman. Like you do not do that, blah, blah, blah. And for her, that she had been assaulted. Um, She, she was like heartbroken because and it turns out you know the context of that is first of all the guy that smacked her on the cheek he's an alcoholic and he was really drunk even though it was like a pat I wouldn't have reacted at all to that um not that I'm saying it's right but turns out her her um you know boy her ex-boyfriend was physically abusive and an alcoholic as well so it was really triggering but the girl across from her was like if that had happened to me I wouldn't have thought twice about it like stop getting angry and the, and the whole team there's 10 of them and they were completely torn down the middle of whether or not he had assaulted her mm. or not and then later on a different girl um and there's this uh, she's a stewardess so like she kind of goes around and um she's basically like an air hostess but of a boat it's <laughs> the best way to describe it so she serves yeah. the customers makes the beds etc and she was rooming with um a chef not her choice and he the whole time she was flirting with him very overtly at the beginning she was holding his hand a little bit and then it died down she wasn't interested in him but he didn't know that and the entire you know six weeks or two months of them working together he was being really gross and sleazy being like um do you like this cake i made i shaped it off like this, I was inspired by the shape of your breast or like, why don't you wear lingerie to bed? Because they sleep in the same room or she was looking at a fridge once. And then she was like on her knees looking and she was like, where's the meat? And he's like, turn around. He's standing right behind her, basically crotched to her face. And he's like, it's right here. Like just gross. But at the very last day, she said to him, it made me so extremely uncomfortable. All your sexual jokes nonstop every single day. Like you should know that I have a good sense of humor and I know I laugh them off. But for women, we work in this industry. We just get sexually harassed all day, every day mm. um, by men. And you need to stop this. And then anyway, so at the end, there was a reunion episode and the host was reading out questions that people had sent in and everyone was furious at him being like, you literally sexually harassed this girl so much. And he was like, but I, she didn't say anything. I didn't know. Like, you know, I thought she would laugh. I thought it was just like flirtatious. It was just really like gray area. And then they asked her boss, 
you know, how would you have handled this if she'd come to you and said she was uncomfortable? Like, would you have fired him? Would you have taken it further? And she said, oh, I would have just gone up to him and said, oh, Adrian, she's finding it creepy. Knock it off. And just like that casual. So it, and then if you'd gone to maybe a different boss, she'd be like, we need to fire him. We need to file a lawsuit. Like it's really subjective. And, um, and, and <laughs> yeah, the subjectivity of it is, is, um, it's, uh, to, well, to be honest, it can actually be scary. I think for a lot of men, um, yeah. not to, you know, make it about us. Oh, well, I guess this podcast is from the, the man's, pers- you know, broadly speaking, I guess the, uh, potentially the man's perspective, right? So I, think back to a situation where um, a girl I'd been chatting to for a while uh, was sending me some pretty steamy videos on Snapchat, right, of her mm. pleasuring herself. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> trying to say this in a professional you way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, well, one, I, en- I enjoyed it. And then uh, the, I can't remember if it was a week later or it was – pretty soon afterwards and I had been traveling for some shows and she happened to be in the same city as, as I was. And I was <laughs> I saying like, Hey, come like, yeah. uh, you know, come over, you know, yeah. I, look, I was being sexually forthright. I was like, Hey, come over. Yeah. Like we can have some fun. Um, we weren't, you know, went, I think at one point she said, Oh, uh-huh, maybe let's meet for dinner. I was like, Oh, just come over kind of thing. Yeah. And then she stopped replying to me. And then the next day she sent me like this kind of half essay telling me about how I made her feel uncomfortable and I made her feel objectified. Now, I'm just like, again, it's not that I'm victim blaming there, but I'm confused, right, from that situation. Now, now I was 21, I think. I think I wouldn't do that now, but I don't think I've done I, – I, I, Sorry if I did make her uncomfortable, but I don't think I've done anything wrong there, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and But then if you asked her the question, have you felt, you know, objectified? Have you felt demeaned because of your sexuality? She would say yes. So yeah. now that's just one example, right, where I just don't feel like I've done anything wrong in that situation. Now, I don't have the exact texts. I can't remember what I said, but it was not even beyond – I don't think it was like – your typical kind of uh, really gross DM kind of like, I'll fucking do this to you and make you feel this. It was just like a, hey, come over kind of thing. Like, But I was yeah. being a bit insistent about it. Because yeah. I was look, I was a horny 21-year-old. Like, what are you going to do, right? <laughs> but know, yeah. she, felt, she felt objectified and she felt mm. kind of gross. And, you mm. know, she even said in that minute, like, I know I sent you those videos, but that doesn't give you the right to treat me like an object. And... And I'm like, yeah, well, f- fuck, like, I don't, you know, like, what is kind of a, I don't know what yeah. to do in that situation because then that will become a statistic. That will become, if she's ever yeah. doing those surveys. Um, and again, like, I come back to what I said before. I wish there was, like, another name for something like that, you know, because I just, like I don't maybe like we can the idea legalize- that I've harassed her. Because I oh, don't but think she I might have, not con- right? She might not consider that as ser- sexual harassment. She might just consider that as gross. Like I was just about to say, maybe sure. we should legalize the term the ick. <laughs> because yeah, that's right. what it looked like it's happened. She did something when she was super spicy and then as soon as she's kind of like cooled down, a week's past, probably speaking to a few other guys, she's like, oh, no, 
I've already moved on. I'm basically engaged now, um, which, you know, happens on the online dating world for a lot of women. But I yeah. think it is, I get, I totally understand. And I kind of, you know, I do agree with you. It is really, really confusing because, you know, like we talked about, oh, I don't think we talked about this on our podcast. Maybe it was after our podcast. We were talking about assumed consent. So, mm. you know, if you've had sex with someone multiple times or, you know, you're in a relationship, do you need to ask consent? Every single time, there's assumed consent. If someone sends you a nude, there's a assumed consent that you can send one back and it not be sexual harassment. So we've spoken about that and I can see, you know, that this kind of falls into that category. Well, she had invited you into like this kind of relationship. She had definitely explored, you know, it being sexual and and said that she was okay with that. Um, I think the issue is, is that, that she, principle, though, like when you when you say that, I could imagine a lot of people would say, "Well, you're, you know, when you say if someone sent a video, they're in, be, you know, they're in tacitly inviting yeah. the other person to be sexual and to to have that relationship." There are, you know, to play devil's advocate, there there would be there could be pretty severe implications to something like that, especially if a man doesn't necessarily have an appropriate level of emotional intelligence. Mm. Yeah. Well, this is the thing is that she is, she's within her right to, you know, change her mind and no longer be, you know, interested in that and to say, Hey, I'm not into it. Whether or not it's right or appropriate for her to just have a go at you and be like, that's so inappropriate. Even though she had done the same thing, you know, a couple of weeks prior of the same nature. I, I don't know. I don't want to comment on it, but, um, I think it, she can change her mind. And this is where it gets into that part where it was really, um, those stats were really confronting, but kind of makes sense, but still are disturbing about how, you know, 14% of people think that if a girl kisses a guy and then he continues to follow through and, you know, attempt sex and, you know, therefore she owes him sex, those kind of things. This is how those beliefs are formed. She can change her mind, but she shouldn't have had a go at you when, you know, it wasn't, it was clear that you were, you know, following suit kind of. Uh, so yeah, that's, it's so tricky. It's so tricky and it's so vague and, you know, thank, thankfully, but also terribly most, um, of these things wouldn't, wouldn't get through in, in, um, in, in court and in workplaces, sexual harassment, it's usually you know, like, they don't say it, but it's usually multiple, um, warnings that are had or ticks he crosses that before action is taken. So it would very rarely actually happen on the first you know, um, disclosure of sexual harassment, unless it was so, um, overt and inappropriate that mm. no one could justify it. Like I used to have a boss, I've spoken about him back in the day a lot, who was so disgusting. And he like, this was peak sexual harassment. Like I can't even, I'm way too lenient as it is, but this was disturbing. And was it this was the one that, um, had a, was in an open relationship and was, propositioning yes. you yes yeah and getting me like weird sex gifts and like and I was always shutting him down I wasn't like laughing and being like oh, yuck. I would be like you are disgusting like you literally make me sick and he would just love it like he was probably getting off on that a bit um I think and but he would say these things to me like I love it when you wear yoga pants to work and then be like, oh, don't don't get me sexual. I get really nervous. Like, are you going to like say something about sexual? He'd constantly be like, are you going to say something about sexual harassment? Um, but <laughs> so it right. was kind of like, 
if you have that much insight into your own behavior, maybe you shouldn't, like maybe you shouldn't do it. Um, and I let it slide mm. because to be honest, I have been through it before and it did not pay out for me to, to, I've reported it. I had escalated in a workplace prior and it literally blew up in my face 10 times worse. Um, so that, that, and that is the experience of most women. That's why, you know, only one in six will actually go to the police after they have experienced sexual abuse rather than even sexual harassment. So, um, that you can imagine how many people just cop it and go with it. So it is hard, but then it's like, like that example of the chef from that show I'm watching. And he was like, this, my personality is sexual banter with everyone. That's how I talk. Like, you know, when people say that's what she said and you're in, you know, a place where this is the equivalent of working in a bar. Are you sexually harassing your colleagues if you say mm. that around them? Or are you just having banter? Um, so it's, it's a- tough. It is tough because there's, you know, I'd imagine even among women, there'd be um, a diversity of, of views of what is appropriate and what crosses the line. Yeah. But um, also the same for men. Like yeah, men true, have true, the, true. True, I know. I have a guy friend who's really conservative and he gets really uncomfortable. He, he used to get really uncomfortable if we were, in, you know, at a party together and um, I used to host heaps and he would hate when he overheard me talking about, sexual things with um you know a group of girls like he wasn't even in the conversation with it was me and three I wasn't talking about like oh this guy is like with it would literally be something like you know the nature of which we talk and he'd be like my god like do you talk about so much sex like it makes me uncomfortable can't you talk about something else like blah 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 and I was like you weren't even in this conversation and he was like yeah but I had to listen to it like I was subjected to it and I was like look fair like I will take it outside next time but we were literally talking about something so non- um, upsetting, not, not something that I interpreted that no one would get bothered by. I wasn't saying men are trash or anything like that. I can't even remember the nature of the conversation, but mm. it was probably something like talking about like, what is tantric sex? Something like that. <laughs> um, like He's, I usually do. And yeah, you about he crystal had dildos. Such, yeah, something <laughs> like that. And no, wasn't, wasn't happy with it. Or maybe it was actually something mm. like that, talking about sex toys. And he was just like, I don't want to hear this like why can't you talk about something else well there's a, it's an intri- it would actually be an interesting psychological phenomenon to to study and dive into the that archetype of the man who has just reverts everything back to a sex joke because they're you know there's plenty of them <laughs> yeah. and when i was younger i'd do that a lot and look that's part of what being a comedian is um yeah. you, you sh- i i like making dirty jokes i like making lowbrow jokes and the big part of that is is you know I make plenty of very sexual jokes and then there are some people who think it's there are some people there's a difference between thinking it's distasteful and people who think it's problematic you know there are some people who come up to me after a show and say you know you're better than that you don't have to stoop to that level really? so wow. yeah yeah and I think they're you know I used to think when I was a teenager I was like oh comedians that just talk about sex all the time it gets tiring but as I got older, I'm obviously very interested in, you know, relationships and, and the, the dynamics between, well, not just men and women, but, you know, human psychology. And, and then a part of that is, is sort of making, um, I, don't, I don't think I really make overt sex jokes that much anymore, but like I make a lot of, you know, dating jokes and, 
mm. jokes about women, jokes about men. Whereas some people will also come up to me after a show or even send me messages saying why it's problematic that I said what I said. So there's a difference between thinking, oh, like this is lowbrow and you can be smarter mm. than that versus, no, this is actually harmful. And wow. I get a bit more defensive when people say it's harmful because yeah. and I've had to th- I've been thinking about this for the last two or three days particularly you know the idea of projection and and when you have a sort of really viscerally viscerally dislike something or someone or a sentiment someone expresses and what does that say about you is there mm. some sort of shadow work you have to do because there's mm. nothing that gets to me more than people who want to police language and who want to police mm. thought and who want to say this is problematic, this is a problem, and I, and it really gets to me. It really yeah. gets to me, and I got to maybe it gets to a lot of people. You can look at any <laughs> Facebook comment thread <laughs> yeah. about the next, you know, the latest woke controversy. But um, something about it just uh, it really, really gets to me. And then you know you can see that in the videos I make. But look. I think a solution, uh, if we're talking about men specifically, that we can both get on board with is men, tell your story, you know. Do, do yeah. not be ashamed to to speak up and, and say what happened to you. If something did happen to you, if it was a man or a woman, say it, you know, mm. even if it is in an uncomfortable forum, um, if, if you don't think it's the appropriate time to say it, I, I think there's no shame at all in um mm. you know being uh vulnerable i mean look i it's fine because i also really uh espouse personal responsibility and you know the, the, there is a conflict there to a degree but but speaking just purely on this issue um you know tell your story like i i mm. did one of those instagram um anonymous call outs not call outs uh question you know questionnaires symposium whatever you want to call it a couple of weeks ago where I said uh well 50% of men who have been vulnerable and opened up have said that they've been shamed or um punished for it mm-hmm. uh here's your chance to anonymously tell me uh what happened to you has this experienced you and I got so many I had to just stop after one hour because wow. I, got, I was inundated with messages from men and look a lot mm-hmm. of them were um I feel like the narrative that's generally expressed is that, you know, we've, we've got men have, you know, this toxic culture where they have to hold down their emotions and this is perpetuated by other men. But like almost all these stories were about men being um, shamed by the, the women in their life. And mm-hmm. I almost I had to make another announcement saying like, look, I'm just picking these at random because yeah. it came across like it could have come across like I was literally trying to do some anti-feminist incel thing uh and no I I genuinely wasn't I was like these are the stories that men have and and that was really good to see because I was getting a lot of messages from women as well saying like this has opened my eyes like how could any woman act like this um so I think you know what a lot of men tend to do especially if they sort of sit on that one side of the ideological spectrum is they just they'll always throw out studies and statistics and like hey this is where you know feminists are wrong and this is where you know you should Mm. look into this but like there's nothing Mm. more powerful than just pure human testimony and 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 if you can express it I'm not one to say how to tell your story because you know if you're going through pain you shouldn't have to also um 
uh, assign these parameters like don't say this, don't say that. But if you do say it in a way that's not resentful to all women, like that is so – and, and mm. obviously be mm. true. Don't exaggerate things and don't lie. <laughs> but if you can tell a, a story of where you've been hurt or where you've been um, ab- abused, hard done by, uh, whatever it may be, and you can do it in a way that's, you know, co- that uh, it evokes – compassion but it doesn't feel like you're attacking all women or you're attacking Mm. feminists that's really that can be really powerful and I think it needs to be done like to say it like you know if any men are listening to this and have had these sorts of experiences um talk about them and again like what I tend to see in some threads I I follow this one Facebook group called uh oh this is really intense this Facebook group it's called I regret having children oh Oh, yeah (laughs) sent you a few posts like oh (laughs) that's crazy if you ever want to be turned off having kids (laughs) look at this part but like a lot of men will um uh you know send in a, a quite a long diatribe of how they've been hurt by a woman and but then they'll add in things like oh you know, when she got pregnant, she got fat and she stopped yes. caring about me and she started, you know, farting. And all the empathy and all gone. all the empathy gone. Yeah, immediately. Yeah. So y- y- you got to, again, I'm not, it's, it, you shouldn't, it's hard to say to people who have experienced pain, well, this is how you should tell your story, mm-hmm. right? But if you want it to be effective, I think you have to do it in a way that doesn't come across as, as resentful and, and hateful. Yeah. And it's just, you're, just pure, raw, authentic human testimony about how one person has hurt you. Um, yeah. and, and that is, is more um, powerful and significant and beautiful than you can ever imagine. Um, yeah. So I think that's, a, that's something that everyone can agree with. I don't think anyone is against yeah. that because even people who a lot of men would say are radical, crazy feminists are also saying, no, men, speak up, open up. So uh, I, I, that brings me to the next thing which I guess is like there's a lot of mixed messages that can come across like you know open up be be vulnerable but then also if it makes but open up in the right way which I guess I just said uh but mm-hmm. I, I don't think I want to die. we've we've talked about this a lot on previous podcasts so I don't want to dive into it too much uh mm-hmm. but um no say well said with, Neil well uh, oh, said <laughs> thank you but <laughs> with something like a workplace environment right um or like Look, not even workplace environment, but like say, just in the in when it comes to romance and pursuing and 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 dating, right? You know, men are told be confident, make the first move, be assertive, but then also, oh, read the signals. Like, don't don't do it when it's uncomfortable. And I'm sure I've said this in previous podcasts. And sometimes we get it wrong, and it's not through any mal intent right we're not trying to make someone uncomfortable we're not trying to put them in a position where they feel violated but but in our mind we felt like okay that this is the appropriate time for me to escalate the sexual situation whatever it may be not to be too graphic here but like you know to move on from making out to um putting a hand on the breast or even you know the vagina (laughs) wherever it might be like obviously this is that's the next step (laughs) but you know, and yeah. sometimes we get it wrong, right? But but it's not through us trying to, you know, we're not trying to make someone feel uncomfortable. We're just try- we just we think through our perception that this is the appropriate thing to do in this moment. So 
um, intent is really important, right? But then I guess mm. the implication to that is when it comes to a court of law, like, oh, well, my intent wasn't to abuse mm. her. Well, you know, that can also go open a really um, tricky can of worms. Anyway, in conclusion, the point of this, and, and we might not even get to the question in this, in this no, podcast, so apologies. <laughs> yeah, we probably won't, but we'll do it in the next one. This is so, uh, this is, it's, it's good that we're talking about it and, and this mm. has been like, well, thank you, Eliza. Like this is, it's a great, you're a great person to bounce off with, with this sort of stuff. And Thanks, um, thank you to everyone listening. But this, this is clearly a big topic of conversation that's only going to become more significant over the next 10, 20, mm. 30 years, right? We're, we're really talking about this a lot as a society and it's such a can of worms. You know, there's so much nuance to it. It's, it's so complex. Um, I really do think it's important we we are aware of that that potential um, phenomena that I expressed at the start of the podcast, which is like mm-hmm. we have a tendency, if we have a very firm belief in something, we have a tendency, even if we're faced with evidence that goes against that belief, not only do we have a, a tendency to disagree with that, we have a tendency to further, you know, mm-hmm. to hold our position even stronger. I mean, I'm sure you've been in a conversation with someone who's a really strong religious person or, uh, you know, just really hyper woke or whatever it may be. And then, you know, you're not particularly uh, strong in your position against them, but you just throw out some, some points or some, even some statistics and, and, and they just, you know, it's just, they, they, they immediately, like you can feel it, the tension rising and the defense. It's like when you watch those videos of um, the pro-lifers versus Mm. pro-choices. That's definitely another topic where that would be a very strong um, phenomenon that would be occurring. Yeah. I saw this great video. I shouldn't say great, but it was of the other day of this um, pro-lifer going and harassing just this random guy on the street. And he was like, well, what happens, you know, if a child gets raped and falls pregnant? Like, are you adopting the children? Anyway, she started rambling. And then you just see him go like this and she keeps talking. And he's like, if you can't see me, he just gets into the stance and she keeps oh, talking. Then, her, and then he one. just round kicks her in the face. <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah. It's so crazy. Both of them were really like a bit weird and odd. But yeah, they, they were both, you know, like it looked like university activists. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, in that situation, if I was, if that video, he instigated the violence. So I'd be I know, on but I was like, there. yes, when he did it, it was uh, so yeah, funny. Yeah. But yeah, you could see it's, them. Both it's a good done. roundhouse kick. I'll give him that, that much. It's so funny. It's funny because he sort of goes, yeah. And then it, it looks like he's about to start dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's no. So... Violence is never, yeah, yeah. Violence is just not like any any ideology that says violence is the appropriate way to defend people. It's it's and and not even reactionary violence, but like you know you're being the aggressor because, for example, if you believe like the the system itself uh, causes violence against minorities, therefore the only way to truly fight against it is to actually re- it's self defense in a way. Mm. Like it's it's it's, it's an ideology mm. that's been warped to such a degree that it actually justifies you know a, a conserv- not even like a really far right person but just like a conservative professor coming onto campus and people not only protesting literally uh, violently rioting against them and and you know yeah. some professors have been seriously injured mm. uh in like the last couple of years where because mm. just activists were legitimately punching them and things and it's just that's never the answer 
Never. It's crazy, yeah. But it's interesting though how sometimes it, that is a funny video though, yeah. <laughs> it becomes like, yeah. Have you seen this? There's this other video going around, and this woman. You don't know the context of the argument, but there's a very, very frail old lady who's at least eighty or ninety years old, probably mm. ninety, and she can barely walk. She's like got a little um, what's the word I'm looking? At? What's this walking stick? Is walking. that the Walking. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, well, she's got a walking <laughs> Shit, man. My brain is fried. Sorry, apologies. She's got a walking stick and she's barely even walking. She's taking one step every 10 seconds. And this woman who's like, I don't know, 40, throws a fucking rock at her. Just throws a rock at this old lady and starts screaming at her. Anyway, a man across the street has seen, this young guy has seen it. And by the time, you know, he starts running, he's down the road. The woman and the old lady have already separated. The woman's walked on and he like 20 seconds later just comes in and crash tackles this woman. The one who threw the rock? Yeah. And she landed on a fire hydrant though. So you just see like this huge man push this woman back like spine onto a fire hydrant. You can just, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, But then it was like becoming this whole thing about who... Everyone was like, yeah, good on him. She deserved it. But then people were saying, well, is he going to get in trouble? Because it wasn't like he defended her in the moment. It was like reactionary. Like it happened 20 seconds later. They'd already like separated. The old lady had already gone on. Um, and that's, yeah, on. that's yeah. Gosh, the ethics so of something like that. Very... Exactly. Exactly. And seeing people's mm. different opinions, like most people were on his side because that lady was old. But what if that woman had thrown the rock at another woman? And then he came in 20 seconds later and basically breaks her back. Like the, the level of violence is significantly different. Mm, um, but it's about, yeah, proportional. Well, yeah. I mean, but, but when, you know, any, any human who's been at that, you know, when you lose control to that extent and, and you get violent, it's hard to then be rational and, and say, all right, is my self-defense proportional to what they've done to me? You're just yeah, reacting exactly. in that moment. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, I've never understood where, you know, People are still found guilty of it, even though they are, you could make the argument they're defending themselves, but then they've gone, but they've, you know, rather than one punch to defend themselves, they've put a few punches and caused brain damage. But when you're in the heat of that moment, right, you're not thinking straight. It's 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 very hard to expect, yeah, Yeah. rationality in that really heated moment. So, oh, I don't know. I'd have to say that. Do we know why she threw the rock at her? You can see her screaming at this old lady before, but I don't think you can hear what she's saying. But mm. this lady is so old. Like, I don't think they knew each other. I don't know. Um, but okay. <laughs> she looked like a Karen as well. Um, the old but, lady? Yeah. No, the woman that threw the rock. Oh. Like, very Karen looking. But then some lawyers, like, stitched the video and they were like, this guy technically won't get charged because there are laws in place for like when you do basically a heroic act like if you use violence in order to save someone else you can be protected so um really interesting actually someone attempted um a suicide a few years ago off off the top of a building and Mm. my brother was there um and attempted to resuscitate him and then that person tried to find, like, get my brother's details after blah, 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 and tried to sue him for, like, harming him during resuscitation, um, and one, and two, for actually trying to resuscitate him when he wanted to die. So it became, like, 
interesting. a really tricky wow. spot for like yeah. my brother obviously was really torn about it and felt really fucked up over it. But then at that point he was, um, he was a surf lifesaver. So he was like, actually I have a duty of care. Like even um, if you have a qualif- qualification or you've completed a first aid certificate, like myself, I have a duty of care to ad- administer first aid to someone I see injured, even if it's not even at work or anything. I just have that. Mm. So same applied for him. So that was that. But yeah, crazy um, how people just get completely different perceptions. Um, and that can be mm. people, for you or against you. <laughs> yeah, it's hard because I think you just have to, If as soon as you let ideology and politics start to um, influence when violence is permissible, you go down mm. a really slippery slope there, mm. you know. Now, to some degree, you have to go down that slope because there could be political violence being enacted against you or your people. But if that's not the case, um, it, you know, a, a mantra of nonviolence that to me is just like seems to be the the best logical moral position to take where only if for self-defense purposes, other than that, I don't care what views the person has or anything like that. I don't mean self-defense for you or for someone else, but other than mm-hmm. that, I can't see how um, violence yeah. can ever be um, permissible. But look, we're, we are human, and uh, we're going to, um, you know, uh, uh, we're not entirely in control of our reptilian brain, and we've all exactly have the urge to want to hurt someone. Well, exactly. I have, but I haven't done it. <laughs> um, oh, that was creepy. <laughs> um, Not yet. Well, we get, I don't know if I've had the urge to hurt someone. I've definitely gotten very, very angry with people, um, mm. but it's never really uh, – I feel like schoolyard little scuffles, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. Nothing really – not when I've been an adult, nothing. Thank thank God. Yeah. My um boyfriend – got charged once when he was out at a night and he and some other guy got into a really big fight. I don't think it got physical yet, but they were screaming at each other. Well, my boyfriend's really quiet and shy, so I don't know how much he was contributing to that, but he was really drunk. And um, the guy eventually started like leaving and then my boyfriend threw his meat pie to snack on the back of his neck Um, and it was in front of a cop. So, (laughs) but... What was the argument about? I can't remember. I I can't remember what his. Re- I don't think he can remember either. But he was like, I know he was the cunt. Like, oh, sorry. I don't know if I can say that. I know he was the beast. <laughs> Have you seen my videos? <laughs> <laughs> you can definitely say that. Uh, good. <laughs> so, yeah, he felt justified. Um, but I was like, you threw a meat pie. Um, a meat pie. Yes, you do. Yeah, you know when you find out things about people's past, and you're like, I just can't envision it. But there you go. Yeah, you there you go. Hmm. Um, Every, everyone yeah. has a breaking point, you know. Everyone and, um, has, that's it. It's a scary Everyone's thought. Got a point. But, um, you know, that, that actually makes you less judgmental sometimes of people who have gone through really, really horrific circumstances and then have reacted in violence. It's not to say they shouldn't be punished, but, um, you know, if, if you figure out, if you find out a bit more information about what they've endured leading up to that, it can it can... You know, mm. give you a bit more um, context and and better understand can. The, yeah. the situation. Yeah, it's interesting though how much like similar to sexual harassment, how it comes down to even actual physical violence 
you know, the severity of it is in the opinion of the perpetrator, uh, sorry, the victim. Um, and for example, people that experience mm. domestic violence or so often when I have gone out to work with women that have been physically abused by men, they never, ever, ever want anything to do with, you know, services or support or counseling. They are just like, no, 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 he's not on the wrong. It was me or whatever. This one time actually when I was back working in years ago at Concierge at Westfield and I saw this man just in the middle of the shops, this huge, huge guy just punch his girlfriend, this beautiful young girl straight in the face. And I went running. I was <laughs> screaming at him from 200 meters. I went, get your hands off it. I was got the radio. I was calling security. They were, we're all running in from like 10 different directions. And she got so mad at me. She was like, mind your own fucking business. Like, get the fuck away from me. Just crazy. Mm. And then I was mm. literally just like, if you stay with his man, he, he will do that to your children too. Like, don't just, if you want to stay with him, fine, but don't have his kids. <laughs> That's all I said. Like, she wasn't going to handle it. She was pissed at me. She copped a fist to the face by him and then defended him. And I've seen that like thousands of times. Um, so police can put AVOs out when they get called out on behalf of, you know, um, women and it happens a lot. So like, you know, if they say, no, 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 like it was fine. It's fine. It's fine. Like it, blah, blah, blah. He didn't do it. Or I deserved it. They can still put an AVO in place, but mm. no one's really going to abide to it anyway. So. Yeah. It's. What do you think of, because I, I still can't, you know, something that was so shocking that you told me is that like when you were dealing with domestic violence victims, some of the mo uh, the many calls that you got were from the North Shore. And I, yeah. for whatever reason, I just always associated that with, okay, lower socioeconomic problem. And, like, if we can, yeah. like, improve the economic conditions for um, every Australian to the point where I think it's, like, 70 grand or whatever it is where, like, your mm. happiness is then no longer dependent on how much money mm. you make, that would dramatically reduce um, domestic violence. But that, like, that, I still think about that's what you said and, and it's just thrown yeah. such a spanner in the works of, how I even view the world. Like I can't even, I, I just yeah. always assumed um, and maybe wrongfully so that it was a, you know, it was a sort of poverty mm. problem. Um, exactly. But it's, exactly. if it's not, that's really, uh, I got to rethink, you know, I think a lot of people might have to rethink their, uh, their yeah. ideas behind that. And, and, you know, it's really, it's sad when you, sad. It's also, oh man, it's frustrating. Like when you hear about, and I'm not one to judge, but but it's hard not to sometimes when you yeah. hear about... It's really hard to stay patient yeah, and compassionate. Yeah. People who are in these kind of relationships and they keep going back and you're like, fuck, what do you... You know, like you hear mm. about... Even just like mm -hmm. I'm a big NRL fan, you hear about some of these scandals where the guy has just clearly beaten her mm. and she then supports him at court and she, you know... I mean, like even a guy... Um, I don't want to name names, but just think about mm. the, you know, if you're an NRL fan, the, the most recent high profile scandals and, and that they always have like a, the woman stays by their side during court, even though he's accused of assaulting another woman. So like at mm. the very least he's cheating at the very yeah. worst, he's a rapist. And it just, yeah. it, it just is really a, you know, maybe it's a, 
I talked about this on a podcast with Jordan recently. It's it's a luxury belief, right? So people who've grown up in maybe sort of middle and upper class mm-hmm. environments, to us, these sorts of um, circumstances are just so foreign. And we could just, we just, we, oh, how could anyone do that? How could anyone believe that? But, you know, you yeah. don't know what it's like when, you know, maybe someone's finally allowed you to not have to worry about money or, Exactly. There's a lot of factors. That's it. There's a million factors. A lot of it is, you know, manipulation, coercion, whatever. But there is a significant amount. It's just that, well, it's not worth me leaving him. It's not worth me giving up this life. If I have a cop of fist, so be it. At least I still have, you know, my mansion and this and that and that. And that was very much the case when I worked. As what Neil was talking about was I was calling out for um, child protection, working for like government child protection and... um, when I was working in Western Sydney clients uh, for children that had been abused, it was all like neglect and, and um, something, you know, substance abuse and things like that. And when it was North Shore, Mossman and Northern Beaches, it was always these ridiculous mansions and 100% of the call outs for child abuse, which was quite prevalent still in those areas, was always just domestic violence, always, not just, but um, solely domestic violence between the partners um, and not once did I ever have um, a woman say I need support or yes he abused me it only ever came to that point after we had to remove the children and then they would we would basically have to say you can't have this child back in your care unless you're separated and then all of a sudden it was yes like you know I was abused and things like that they, which is good you prioritize your children over you know your yeah, abusive but partner but so it, you, that's what you it takes for, like it's yeah. just crazy it's uh yeah it's gosh. crazy anyway I think we got to got to wrap this one up but uh sorry you know about the person uh we we're going to get to the question but we just got to we'll get there eventually <laughs> in that conversation so yeah. thank you everyone for listening um subscribe and i think this will be the last podcast i i post on my neil tv channel so make sure you subscribe to youtube.com slash neil k all right see you next time guys see you next week